Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Canner Podcast. I am joined today by my friend and colleague, Jim Davis. He is the director of the Good Athlete Project, and you can hear his first episode. This is his second appearance. You can hear the first episode way back, episode number 43. Uh, I'll link to that in the show notes. But uh, the Good Athlete Project, essentially, and he can kind of explain more, really focuses on building athlete character education for coaches. Uh, they also offer sports consulting, and they contribute to research which promotes inclusion of exercise in schools, specifically how it relates to the improvement in the, the student-athlete learning process. So the connection between exercise slash athletics and what that does to their overall, um, I don't want to say grades, but how, how, they, how they learn in the, in the cognitive aspect of that. So um, without further ado, Jim, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me back here. Absolutely. Definitely. So the last time we spoke, um, well, this is the second to last time, which has been, has been a while, we <laughs> talked about the importance of, of exercise-endured neural enhancement. And I, obviously, I am not even close. I'm glad I can pronounce all of those words, let alone <laughs> like try to explain what that is. So we talked about the importance of that and the importance of exercise and how it stimulates the brain that connects learning with the athletes and that kind of development and why it's important for coaches to know and understand that um, as well as teachers in, in schools that deal with those student athletes. So can you tell us a little bit more about the exercise endured neural enhancement? Yeah. Um, yeah. Exercise induced neural enhancement is um, there's been research on it for years, essentially how movement uh, enhances what we're calling the learner state or, um, or a state of learner readiness, meaning like um, literally a chemical combination within the brain that makes one potentially more receptive to learning. Um, I think the application is what I'm probably most interested in now, but before, I guess before we go into that, I'll give a, a quick background. Um, a lot of the research on this goes way back to like evolutionary uh, biology theories essentially with the idea being uh, when one is in a highly mobile state for a prolonged period of time, that something meaningful is happening, if that makes sense. And that's what, we, and, and you and I are, are always going to bump up some kind of stigma, whether it's um, sports or exercise or whatever. Some people just quote, don't like that. But if we were able to remove that stigma and look at it from a, from a more human kind of idea, really, we're just kind of stimulating the organism, the human body for an extended period of time. Uh, and way back when, when our, you know, when our brains were developing, that meant something was important was going on, whether that was, you know, and it usually revolved around predation, whether that was hunting or, or surviving or somehow protecting one's family or whatever it might have been. Um, when you were in that sort of state, uh, something meaningful was happening. So, you know, and, and they've, they've essentially assumed that because what we're seeing is that uh, now when we replicate that through what we're calling exercise, we see really interesting and powerful combinations of neurochemicals and neurotrophins 
and you got to tell me, don't be afraid to tell me to, to slow down or pull back, Eric, if, if this gets, uh, oh, you, I'm letting right you go. Now. I'm letting you go, man. Just, just okay. keep going. <laughs> All right. Perfect. So, so, um, yeah, I mean the neurochemical cocktail, um, the, the three heavy hitters that people have probably heard of serotonin and dopamine. Um, yeah. those are big ones. And then noradrenaline or norepinephrine, depending which paper you're reading, which country you're in, that's another big one. Acetylcholine. These are all produced and essentially lend themselves to um, a heightened state of awareness. Uh, and that's the big one, at least from the big, you know, from, from the, the history of things. So essentially, when those are increased to a certain level, one is supposed to essentially perform better. Uh, then the really exciting part, I think, uh, I'm trying to think what it was. I believe it was like 2008, John Rady. Uh, wrote a book called Spark, and the and the thing that really took that book over the edge was he took hundreds of studies, including studies on uh, neurotrophins, which I'll mention in a moment, and made it really kind of accessible and digestible. Neurotrophins is the other thing. So neuro neurochemicals is is uh, that that's those four things that I mentioned that will uh, influence the affective state. Neurotrophins are actually, they're influencing the physical state of the brain. So the big one that uh, John Rady talks about and, and is now almost, uh, you know, it's, it's fairly common in the public awareness is BDNF or brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And essentially, you know, without going to the nitty-gritty details, it is positively changing the brain on a physical, structural state. Uh, which is really exciting and essentially what it's doing happening happening big time in the hippocampus which is associated with memory um, it's essentially setting the table for enhanced learning so that that's kind of the basics of it I, I really could go on about this all day if you, if you gave me the opportunity and maybe I will but what we're trying to do is identify we okay so we are tri triangulate the research is what we call it so what we're doing is we're taking those two uh, well-proven ideas that under a certain stimulus there is an increase in neurotransmitter and neurotrophin production in very positive ways we're assuming and then now where you and I pick up is uh, we're trying to create interventions which uh, are able to sort of capture that positive effect and use it to benefit students but it also honestly I'm, I'm moving up even beyond that benefit teachers coaches anyone who's got any desire to uh, implement well to interact with the world well this could be positive for them sure so and then that makes total sense i mean from a biological standpoint and you know the first thing that comes to my mind is when people talk about you know, how they feel they get that post-workout high i think mm -hmm. a lot of people they, they they associate that with uh you know kind of the things that you were talking about but it goes much deeper than that right i mean you're mm -hmm. you're talking about exercise and we can get in i really want to get into what kind of exercise how much and how often later but sure. you're talking about exercise and athletics and the learning process so they're they're actually causing a, a change in their brain their physiological self and what's happening when when you what you know what what's happening to the studies what are the studying say um in regards to that i mean what's actually going on yeah, so, well, I, I guess in order to, to think about it clearly, it all would probably go back to, um, to the early research on what uh, unenriched environments. And essentially, this professor, Professor Diamond, Marion Diamond at Berkeley, and I'm trying to think when this was, it was, it was a good long time ago, though, at this point, um, was introducing rats into an enriched environment uh, 
um, and they're in that environment, there are kind of all the ideals. There was uh, interaction with other rats, there was novelty, there was exploration, there was exercise. And as those, as those studies progressed, uh, they were they would start to break off. You know, is it the interaction that's making the rats um, improve? I should have mentioned that within these enriched environments, the rats were uh, improving. The rat brains were physically larger, uh, meaning more dendritic uh -huh. branches, synaptic yep. connections, more blood vessels. They were physically larger after having been exposed to these enriched environments for an extended period of time, um, which is amazing. So then, what did they do? They 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 tried to take. Uh, peel it back and look piece by piece, which element of these enriched environments is, is the, the thing. Can we isolate one? And they were all important, but exercise was the most effective. The exercise was the thing that was really promoting growth. Um, okay. Okay. Growth in terms of uh, increasing chemicals and growth factors within the brain. Okay. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So, so that, that larger brain is that, is that is what is connected to directly uh, better learning and social cues? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I, I I don't think we can connect the larger brain to better learning okay. necessarily. But I like so so it really is you know one one passion of ours. Um, not only at the Gaddafi Project, but I'm I'm very lucky to work at Nutria High School, and we've got a lot of really supportive people there, and we're developing interventions there. Um, what we're trying to do is differentiate between exercises meaning like exercise is not exercise uh but in a certain sort of exercise you can increase and I, th I think this is what you're talking about specifically what we're aiming at is mood focus and wakefulness and we've kind of broken off those affective states as three things that will really contribute to um greater interact you know improved interaction with teachers improved social interaction and people who are more receptive to learn so, and you can imagine if you, if you're in a, if you personally, or if I personally woke up or, or started to go about my day and I was in a better mood, I was more able to focus and I felt more awake, um, you know, learning goes up. So in that idea specifically, we're trying to figure out what lends itself to that. And really, <clears throat> so, you know, I mentioned Mary, the, the growing brains that probably, I mean, that's really significant for, for, uh, I believe like widespread reconsideration of how we're going through our days, meaning why are we in sedentary lifestyles as educators and, or as professionals, why not be in fully mobile, quote, enriched environments like the ones that she was setting up in, the, in these models. But um, it's really, I think we're just trying to, we're trying to find the, we call it the MVP. It's the exercise MVP, the exercise minimum viable product. What's the least that we can do Yep. Um, that, that correlates with research and that will also spread um, without too much difficulty. And I'll expand on that just for a second. We're trying to create something to fit in the school day, uh, something that everyone can participate in, meaning even if one is differently able, they can still participate, uh, something that is cost effective um, and then identify where and when that fits into a curriculum. But I think that's what you're, you're talking about. It's those three areas. So not the bigger brains per se, but the increase in the neurochemicals that correlate yes. with mood, focus, and wakefulness. Yeah, like like the, like the kind of, like whatever is happening with uh, you know in those studies is you know it's a direct relation to to better learning and the social cues basically. But I mean, I guess that kind of relates back to the whole. Um, I mean, and and you kind of mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast that you know as as humans were developing, you mm -hmm. know the the more we moved, the more 
um, we had to hunt, gather for it, you know, what, whatever it is, uh, mm -hmm. our, our brains developed along with that. So mm -hmm. the, the, the bigger our brains became, uh, the better we got at um, figuring things out and then we could do even more, which kind of correlates back. And it's kind of interesting as I was thinking, you know, if I'm a child sitting in a classroom, which at one point I was, but mm -hmm. I, I'm, and I'm lucky enough to be a part of, of the young group that grew up with, uh, you know, recess plus PE, you know, sure. and a lot of kid, a lot of kids now, it, it's just thrown to the side and, yeah. it, it, and it's no wonder why people say, and okay, I say this with a, a, a grain of salt. Okay. I, I'm not saying this to offend anyone, um, to upset anyone because there are absolutely children who need, um, medicine for help. I, I completely understand that, but when we when we associate uh, children who aren't paying attention in class with just saying they uh, they have you know a learning disability or they need this type of medicine, but we know that they aren't getting any exercise and they're being mm -hmm. forced to sit and try to concentrate when we know our bodies are meant to be up and active and move, mm -hmm. and and then we have kids that are acting out in class and we have kids that aren't learning like they should be. I mean, there, there's no wonder that's a direct link um, to what we're seeing right now. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's, taking, it's taking the most natural thing we are able to do, which is move, removing that and doing something super unnatural and shoving them into a classroom uh, and then trying to, to force them to learn when they have nothing in the brain stimulated to learn. Absolutely. So, so what, kind of, what kind of exercise is uh, is being promoted you kind of hinted at you know being cost effective and and uh, easy easy for everybody to do what's that look like yeah um i'm gonna tell you exactly but first i have to expand on what you said because you just nailed it man i'm not kidding that is like that's massive we one of the first outings of uh the good athlete project was to a school that i won't name but uh but we we noticed two things specifically we were essentially brought in to, uh, to, to help manage a disruptive population. Um, and what we found after only a few days there was that, you know, it, it is our belief that it was not necessarily uh, a disruptive population. It was the situation that you just mentioned. And that is, we have a bunch of uh, young men and women who are, like you said, built to move. They're, they're excited. They're, you know, these are adolescents. They're uh, they're literally growing as we speak and we are putting them in chairs uh, and telling them to sit down and be quiet all day. Uh, this particular situation, you mentioned that you were, you were lucky enough to be part of a, uh, a school day that included recess and physical education. The, um, the school that we were in had, did not have recess, did not have any physical education program, um, did not have an athletics program. In fact, I think they had a failed athletics program. Um, meaning the kid, you know, the, the group that we worked with specifically, we worked with there, um, they loved soccer. So like half of them were trying to try out for the varsity soccer team. There was a varsity soccer team that, but they could only get it together, uh, well enough to play two games. So essentially, oh, wow. so there, so meaning in short, there is no physical activity. So we've taken these growing, uh, excitable adolescents may you know say show up at this time don't be late sit down all day don't move you know what i mean and 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 yep and that's it and what's so i'm actually i'm getting a little heated just thinking about it because um 
you know, because in a lot of ways, if we don't think about this the right way, I think that sounds right to people, right? They, you know, you, teachers often are, are looking for control, right? And you do need an element of order to make sure that you can uh, transfer information to young people. You do need that. But uh, we found that, that most of these students, their primary interaction with teachers was sit down and be quiet. You know what I mean? So, so you're developing, you, you know, we're now even, we're starting to develop a, uh, a subcategory of ADD even, in, you know, you talk right. about the over, over-medicated population. We're talking about a population that is sometimes referred to as oppositional defiant, um, you know, and really what it is, is these are just antsy teenagers who've been told to sit still for eight or 10 hours a day. It's really, yeah. it's frustrating, man. Um, and I think the final, the final thing I'll add to that is uh, in, the, in one of the recent studies that I've been working on, um, we are trying to, like we said, isolate for mood, focus, and wakefulness. Um, we have found that, that students and professionals report pretty significant increases in those three areas with the, um, with the exercise intervention that I'll explain in a moment. Um, pretty significant jumps. And this, this paper hasn't been published yet, so I won't quote anything too specifically. But, you know, significant, noticeable jumps uh, in, a, in a small amount of time. That was like kind of what we were hoping for. But then what we found in our control group, which was essentially we had people read and survey and, and you know, go through the exercise routine and read and survey in the back end. In our control group, we did the same thing. But instead of exercise, we had the students sit still. So there's a 20-minute sit-still session in the control group. And in the areas of mood, focus, and wakefulness, they were taking almost mirrored jumps down. So they were in worse moods. They felt more tired and they couldn't focus as well at the wow. back end of that 20 minutes. So that was one of the most um, kind of eye-opening things. Cause you know, we were going into this with the idea that we were gonna find a way to help students get better at those three things. And what we accidentally did is, is uh, continue to add the body of research that, that suggests that being sedentary is, uh, is detrimental in, in massive ways. Um, yeah, that's super eye-opening. Yeah, it is a shame. And it's what's well, even more a shame that the people that are inside, the, and this is not placing blame, but the people that are inside no. the schools, their, their hands are tied when it comes totally. to it. It's not, it's not their decision. You know, when, when a program gets cut, you're thankful that it's not your program. And then right. when it's something like uh, physical activity, well, you know, they, some people might try to sell it as this program has been cut because it's not as important as math. Right. When, when if you can show that people are scoring better at math tests or consuming whatever content that the, the teacher is, you know, the program is, is meant to, to teach is being uh, digested better because of physical activity. then that's um, obviously that's huge. Yeah. So, so, uh, so tell us a little bit about the kind of exercise that you're implementing because I, I, I want to hear about this first and then I'll, I'll talk about, you know, things that I've seen and heard and, and hope uh, are happening. So tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So there is most of the research is done. Um, most of the research on this is done with rat, lower mammalian rat type populations. Um, and it's really difficult to make rats 
lift weights and things of that nature. So, so all the, you need the right but, coach for that, man. You need the right coach. I'll do it. That's right. You need a very <laughs> really talented coach, you know, uh, rats to do a deadlift and or a power clean. Um, but so what we've got though, is we've got a large body of research that correlates uh, cardiovascular exercise with this stuff. So, sure. um, you know, it's, it's rats running through mazes and on, and on running wheels. Um, and so what we do is heavily cardio, uh, meaning body weight. Um, I, we're constantly trying to find, you know, way, you know, successful ways to add a level of autonomy for coaches and teachers within that, you know, not just, we don't want people and we don't want people just run all day. It also gets boring for students if that's all you're doing. But sure. like I said, the research, if we want to, we, you know, we don't want to just, we want to make sure that we're staying fairly true to the research and the research is all coming from running. And, and I, I'll, I'll point out an interesting fact there. And, and uh, that is when they do these tests, there's two things that, that uh, research find researchers find to be very clearly true. One of them is that when a, when you put a wheel in a rat's cage, there's no such thing as a rat that doesn't use it. You know what I mean? So uh, you, you talked about uh, exercise being one of the most natural things we do. Absolutely. Like we were made for this. Um, so every at rat, when it has the opportunity to move, takes it. That's one interesting thing. The other yeah. interesting thing is that when they do for extended periods of time, they perform significantly better than other rats. It's, I mean, in, in terms of memory tests, you know, they've got these water maze tests and I, I mean, it's, it's just fair. It's pretty clear. So what do we do? We start our sessions. We have a, we have what we call, and you know, this is not proprietary. The goal is to get this into as many um, hands as possible. Um, we have an eight, two, eight, two model. And those eight minute sessions are variations of cardio. Uh, the two minute sessions are variations of strength and then balance. So a sample like if I were to go put this myself through this if I had a you know if I had a test coming up say or if I had a big study session that's probably more appropriate if I had a big study session coming up um, I would likely jog for eight minutes um, in, you know in our studies we did uh, two minute body weight um, strength routine so we're doing like push-ups and lunges and burpees and things of that nature for two minutes then back into a cardio routine. Um, and that second cardio routine is just sort of a maintenance cardio. Okay. So the first cardio routine, it, you know, the initial run, that would be what we call our target cardio, meaning we're trying to, within that eight-minute period, get up to around 70% of target heart rate um, and maintain it through the end of the cardio. Then move our bodies in a different way, stress our nervous system in a slightly different way, get into some strength-based stuff then go back to a cardio session where we're just trying to maintain the heart rate, right? And then we are actually kind of cooling down with a balance routine. Okay. And for it, maybe something as simple as um, ankle prehab, you know, when you got on one foot and you're touching, you know, one leg bends, right, right hand to left leg, uh, left hand to right leg, stuff like that, just kind of a, a balance-based cool down. Sure. So, um, so and that's, this, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I cut you off. Go ahead. Well, and, I mean, and that's pretty much it. And then it comes down, like we said, to implementation. We've got to have, you know, professional development is key for something like this. Um, we, like, that's the only cost. We, the, the, we modeled it 
you know, we tried to create a model that didn't take too long. It's 20 minutes. We yeah. tried to make, uh, meaning it would fit into a school day. Um, that can be accomplished by anyone, even if they're differently abled, like I mentioned. So if someone, um, you know, you don't have to run necessarily to accomplish it. You just need to raise your heart rate for this, for that amount of duration. So any sort of, um, adjusted equipment could accomplish the same thing. As long as you're getting uh, heart rate above a certain level is it cost effective. The biggest cost we believe in this, uh, is going to be the professional development. Um, right. as I said, not all, not all exercise is created equal, right? You know, the, there's, there's, there are brain breaks out there. That's not really doing this. Um, there's also football practice and basketball practice, which interestingly enough takes us to a different end of the spectrum. Now, once you move the body toward exhaustion, you're also no longer getting the, the right dosage of, uh, you know, the, the chemical cocktail to uh, improve the learning state. Once you go too far, you know, if you push way too far, not way too far, but if you, you know, it all depends on what your goal is. And if your goal is to whatever, run 15 miles, then your body is actually going to go into preservation mode and it, you won't have the same kind of thing. So uh, it's cost effective. It's happening in 20 minutes. Uh, anyone can participate. Um, and it's pretty exciting for those reasons. Yeah, it's super exciting. So here, here's where I was going to say, um, you know, I was cutting you off. Sorry about that. The, the, uh, the things that I've seen, um, and, I, and I, I'm very interested in, in this eight to eight two model that 20 minutes, mm -hmm. cause I, I'm a big proponent of, you know, short, uh, exercise and, you know, for adults. So you know, that, yeah. that's, that's great that that's being represented in, in children or, uh, you know, adolescents also. So things that I've seen, and I don't know if this makes sense to you or you've seen this also, or promote this is in between classes, uh, some schools that I've, I've just kind of Googled and done some, some, uh, web search is they have the students, uh, between sections. So if you're going from like math to social studies, whatever in your one classroom, whatever that time frame is, three to four minutes, whatever it is, they have students, um, you know, stand up from their desk and all of them go through like a pattern of three minute movements where it's, um, I want to say like a hand walkout. So you're standing in one place, you bit slightly bend your knees, you bring your hands all the way out to the ground and you're holding like a high plank essentially. And then you mm -hmm. push yourself all the way back up. And then they'll do things like body weight squats, or they'll just have people, uh, kids jog in place until the next class is, is set up and prepared. And then they all kind of do like marching in place, let their heart rate kind of go back down for a little bit. They do that for about a minute or two. And then they sit, they learn. And then, then, and then they go to the next class where they don't, they just do some stretching, some basic sure. stretching, like, you know, stuff that we did in, in PE as we were kids across, um, shoulders across the body, you know, basic hamstring stretch. Sure. And then the next section, they would kind of get up and do the fir very first part of it. So it sounds very similar, only spread out throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So yeah. how do you I feel about that? I, yeah. I feel great about it. I feel the, I, the truth, there's two things. One is that it's probably not um, accomplishing the same thing, but, it's that, but two, it's probably accomplishing something great. You know what I mean? Right, and that's, right, right. Uh, I think it's doing its own unique, great thing. Uh, what it probably would not do in those shorter bursts are uh, start to, you know, stimulate the neurotrophin production. I think okay. you, you would, you would definitely get into um, some other really important benefits. And I think it's fantastic. 
I think to, to keep some, to keep a group mobile throughout the course of the day, I think it's amazing. I, I think there is, there might be reason to assume, I don't want to overstate here. There might be reason to assume a certain sort of uh, neurochemical neurotransmitter production, but I don't think you can get the neurotrophin production. The neurotrophin production um, you'd need something a little more intense for and, and, you know, longer duration. Yeah. Prolonged. But, um, okay. Yeah. But I, but I think it's great. I think it's amazing. And, and what's it, the reason that I'm so excited about it is because I think people need to keep trying and keep inventing. And if you're yes. saying that someone's doing that on like a systematic level, uh, you know, you, that a school has adopted that, I think it's fantastic. And it's yeah. absolutely fantastic. And the truth is, so I, I'm of two minds. One is that I think all of these things, we have enough research that I think all of these things need to be kind of anchored in the research. Um, I'm definitely of that mind. I don't, I, you know, I think there's too much in the world. I think there's too much bastardization of good research for, for yeah. bad, whatever. But, but I also think this other very clear idea, and that is if you're seeing positive outcomes, if the kids are, you know, if the kids are fitter, if the kids are paying more attention, if you're, you know, if that's, if it's working, then do it. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And I think to go along with that, I think a lot of people, and I've, I've kind of harped on this in other podcasts, you know, one of my favorite quotes is by uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. And he says, um, stop pondering, stop debating, stop thinking, just do. And hmm. I think in, in terms of especially something like this, you know, there's, we all know, especially if you're in the, the fitness industry as a professional, there's no one right way to do one thing. There are many different ways. There are different ways to be safe about it for sure. I mean, there's, you could definitely be safe about certain things and, and make, make sure things are all inclusive for, for most people. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to something like this, just start trying things. If you're an education yeah. uh, leader and, and you want to find different ways to keep children um, active and healthy so it benefits all the way across the board and every other aspect of their life, because chances are when these kids leave school, uh, if they're not getting any activity on the inside of school, then, I mean, what energy do they have or pressure do they have on the outside when they go home to, totally. to do that? You know, maybe one out of 10, I don't know. I'm just making that up. But if you have one person who's active on the outside, especially if they're involved in extracurriculars, if they don't have one of those broken models that you talked about earlier, um, then that's an, a, a very fortunate kid. But if you're in one of those situations where, you know, you sit in eight hours of class a day and then the most activity you get is walking to and from class or maybe to lunch and then right back to class, you go home. I mean, you sit and watch TV, you do your homework and you're in bed. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a, that's a, that's a broken system all the way around. So, yeah. you know, to, to get out, to get up and just try something different then yeah, like you said, that's a win across the board. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, um, I mean, I try, I'm, I'm fairly forgiving the whole conversation, meaning, you know, I, I do think I don't, I, people refer to it as a broken system. I sometimes do myself. I like to think, um, I like to think that whoever designed it did have the best intentions in mind. Uh, no, you're right. But, you're right. I think, yeah. but, but I think the best intentions include consistent reevaluation of whether or not it's working. Are there better methods out there? And I think the issue is that uh, it worked better, whatever system we've got now, worked better than the system we had just before. So we kept it and I think we've just kept it too long. I think there's too much good research out there to, to uh, back that idea that we need to be trying some new things. I got to touch on another thing you said though, um, the, the Gary Vaynerchuk stuff, I'll, I'll, I'll watch him a little bit and I think he's got some really interesting ideas and um, you know, he's, and he's far more 
famous than I am, so I don't mean to push against, <laughs> against him. But I do have, I would, I would maybe challenge, I, I, I like his idea of just get up and do, because I do think, especially in the entrepreneurial world that he exists in, that most people's um, biggest dilemma is just taking step one. Uh, I think that's, yeah. I think that's the barrier for most people, but I, we have a subtle variation on that and maybe that fits into this, but, um, we have, you know, it's actually a Warren Buffett idea. Warren Buffett, had, you know, uh, prizes a bias toward action. Gary Vaynerchuk wants people to just do these things. Uh, and I'm with them both. Um, but we, we've adjusted ours a little bit and that is have a bias toward action when action is well considered. Meaning what well, I do think there is reason, especially with, when you're dealing with young people and their health, that you, you need to really consider the thing you're about to do. It's not, you know, in, in education and, and strength and conditioning and athletics and things like that. Um, unfortunately, you know, if you, if you blow it, you, you didn't just lose some money in the stock market, right? You, um, you know, you're dealing with, with people's health and wellness. Uh, so a bias toward action, action is well considered is the way we move on that. But another thing that comes to mind is you're mentioning what we don't really talk about in the paper necessarily, but we, we do believe are uh, the secondary benefits of this sort of intervention. And that is, you know, it's, um, you know, exercise or sports, it's a more exciting way to get into study. Um, it's, you know, and, and, and you mentioned the duration, the 20 minute thing, and you, it sounds like you work in intervals and bursts as well. Um, it's a more feasible, feasible uh, way to create lifelong um, you know, proponents of health and wellness, for lack of a better term, meaning yeah. I know a lot of people who think they just don't have time for exercise. Well, yeah, exactly. I think that that's because, you know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to work out for an hour and a half to get a great benefit. Right. Um, right. That that's, that's not it. I think people fall back to maybe, you know, their football practice or their basketball practice that lasted about two hours. They don't have that time in the day. Or if, even if you go to a, um, I don't know what's the standard yoga session. That's probably an hour. I truly believe that if we, you know, if, if we have well-directed, well-considered 20, 30 minute bursts, not only is that more usable in the now, but it also gives people a little more hope like, okay, maybe this is something that I can actually fit into my life. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so. it, that, well that it, again, we've come full circle because the shorter burst comes back to physiologically you know, we, we're set up to do work and then rest, work and then rest. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to take it back and I'm not, you know, a, an anthropologist or a, like, I, I'm not going to go back and, and, and try to like cite the different hominids or anything. But it, a lot of research suggests that that's what we did. We, we had to conserve energy, but when we had the energy, we had to go use it to mm -hmm. do all of those things. So if we had to go hunt uh, humans or our ancestors would go out and hunt and that would be a celebration. And then we'd sit around a campfire and eat together and rest and relax the next morning, knowing that we'd have to get up and do it again. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of research su suggesting that, oh, these short, these short bouts of, of exercise, no matter how in, intense they are, cause that also plays into it. Um, that's very important. And the whole reason why exercise is invented anyway, is because we don't go out and do those things anymore. Right. I mean, let's, let's be honest, you know, it's right. not that we're, we're, we're built to be in machines, but machines are built so we can be strong enough to go out and do the things we need to do now. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say this is, um, this is a, a one size fits all kind of thing, but this is why, this is why all this stuff is created. So we mm -hmm. can still have those benefits of health and longevity that we once used to have. 
And if you go into places that you're dealing with that don't have those, how can we, how can we bring it to those, those places? So, absolutely. yeah, I think, I think what you guys are doing is, I mean, it's nothing short than amazing. And what, whatever, Appreciate you know, from the, from, the, from the last time that we spoke and did a podcast together and from what you guys are doing now, and I, I've been following you and the Good Athlete Project, and I hope everybody else does too, but, um, you know, it, it comes in leaps and bounds, these things. So once this paper comes out, you know, whatever reaction you get from that, that's just going to be more fuel for your guys' fire. So if people want to find out more about you and what Good Athlete, Good Athlete Project is doing, where can they get a hold of you? Yeah, no, I, well, first of all, I appreciate you saying all that stuff, and I hope you're right. We're trying to build positive momentum and, and roll with it. Um, we're, we're probably putting out uh, – we're communicating mostly uh, in, through social media, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, on those, our handle is at coach the number four kindness. So coach for kindness. Um, we do have a website. It's goodathleteproject.com. It will also be available at goodathleteproject.org. And we're currently uh, revamping that website. So that'll be really good. And then we actually, um, inspired by you and others, we will be putting out a podcast in the very near future. It's a good yes! podcast. That's, <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. I'm really All excited. Right. Uh, well, and you'll have, you'll have to come on it sometime. We're, um, Done. Know, we're just trying to spread uh, good news to as many people as possible. And um, I, I'd say that those are our primary ways. But, yeah, I, I think we've actually since I'm, – I'm trying to think maybe in the last month or so, more and more people have been reaching out via Instagram, direct messaging via Instagram at Coach for Kindness. And we're happy to not only have conversations, talk about uh, models and methods that we've used in the past and proven successful, but we're, uh, we're taking on as many partner organizations as our staff uh, allows, kind of. You know, we don't want to go too big too fast. We don't want to water down the pool. But um, people we are working with um, seem to be seeing some positive results. So I'd, I'd encourage people to, to reach out. I, yeah. love, I, I could talk about this stuff all day, man. I know me too. And I just, I hope people, hope people take this into consideration, especially if you're working with uh, athletes of, of any age in, in high school and, and younger. And um, you know, if anybody has any questions, comments, comments, concerns, I hope they do get a hold of you. And then when that podcast released, you have to let me know because I'll definitely, <laughs> I'll just, I'll link it directly. Cause that's awesome. And I was going to talk offline a little bit about, uh, you know, it, was there a potential for you to do a podcast? Because I know you have other stuff going on, on all the time. But, um, you know, on-site podcasts for you would be unbelievable. You know, with all the people that you interact with, uh, interact with on a daily basis, it'd be – I mean, there's so – I'm walking around right now in my basement holding a, a tablet. Like, <laughs> you know, there's nothing fancy about it. You just – you know, you – it's just an awesome medium to, to get out to people. So, anyway, Jim, I – I appreciate you coming on and, and letting everybody know the good stuff that you're doing. And uh, I appreciate the, the time and effort and consideration that you're putting in to, to help uh, young people because, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who will just say, yep, that's, that's exactly what's happening, but what can we do about it? So it's good right. to know that people are out there helping. Well, I appreciate that, Eric. I really do. And thanks for having me on again. I always enjoy it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. For sure. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform at Eric Feigl or email fcp at ericfeigl.com.
Make sure to check back every Tuesday and Thursday for more fitness candor.